Hello, podcasters, all my favorite people, I'm sure, who are listening to me and my um, newly found uh, <laughs> public audience, I guess you could say. So, I have a very special surprise for you tonight. It is the moment, the podcast that all of my true crime followers have been waiting for. That's right. Tonight, you are going to be lucky enough to hear the first true crime podcast that I decided to put together. I'm actually kind of proud of it because I really did take the time to uh, make sure I got, you know, dates for you guys. It was research. Um, again, most of my episodes are kind of rambling, nothing scripted, but this episode will be a little scripted because I wanted to make it as great of a true crime podcast that you guys could envision or want. Um, remember this is not going to be a regular thing, but I really hope that what I have put together will interest you and you will enjoy the listen um i'd like to start off also by telling you guys that the reason i chose this story for my first story is because it kind of hits home for me in a sense um so i'm going to tell you about the murder of one of my cousins now, I wasn't super close to this cousin. I didn't really know her that well. I think I had maybe met her once or twice. But, you know, blood is blood. So, I thought, what great way to start or throw in a true crime episode for you guys than to tell you something <laughs> that is like a bizarre fucking story. It is extremely bizarre and also fucked up so please use that as a warning um this this is a fucked up story but uh I, I feel like it's also kind of giving uh you know memorance of her so I'm gonna kick that off um and this episode is going to be called Stephanie Overholtz. I mean, I don't know if that's what I'm really going to call it, but that's who this is about. That was my cousin, Stephanie Overholtz. So let's just get right into it. Dun, 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 dun. So I'm going to start you off on November 12th. There was a fisherman that called 911 the night before to report the first discovery and the second discovery came Friday when another fisherman found a human leg so there were two fisherman reports okay this all took place in McKay Bay Florida so McKay Bay is a shallow body of water and it's on the northeast corner of Tampa Bay 
here exactly is the second fisherman's accounts of the situation when he first found this body part floating in the water. I was putting my lines out, getting ready to go fishing, and all of a sudden, I see a lump. What looked like a catfish started to float by, and as it got closer to me, I started realizing it looks more like a human leg. So, this Ling had a very distinctive tattoo. Side note. (laughs) Reason why I think tattoos are great, because they make you identifiable. And it's like the same concept of birthmarks. You will always be able to ID my body by my tattoos. That's for fucking sure. And, I mean... Like, you wouldn't, you could try to get rid of my body, I guess, if you wanted to kill me. But again, once they find pieces, like, it's a positive ID, bro. Like, you know, I, w- I wouldn't be that plain Jane Bonnie. Like, I don't know, this is Jane Doe. <laughs> so, anyways, um, so the tattoo picture was shared through a whole bunch of media outlets to try and identify whose leg this was. The tattoo had three red hearts with a light blue ribbon wrapped around each one. And in each ribbon, there was a name. And each one said, well, not each one, but uh, the names were Sean, Greg, and Zach. So those were my cousin's sons, right? Uh, her children. Uh, my aunt had actually reported her missing also as a tidbit, but this was in Pennsylvania because n- you guys probably don't know yet, but um, I'm originally from Pennsylvania, Erie, Pennsylvania, so that's where most of my family is. And we'll touch base more on this later. So November 16th. Airy Times reports that there's a possible connection between the missing Airy woman and body par- body parts found in Tampa. The report of the missing woman noted that the resident who reported her missing, which is my aunt, stated that her daughter had recently moved to Florida but didn't have an address for her. And she had actually lost contact with her daughter after a text that said she needed help. So now we're going to kind of fast forward a little bit to November 20th. Uh, There were uh, body parts found in McKay Bay confirmed to be that of missing Erie woman Stephanie Crone Overholtz. She was 47 and her last known residence was Lutz, Florida. Also, during this time period, police found a 2008 silver Hyundai Elantra with Pennsylvania tags in the area where the body parts were dumped. So, let's stop real quick. November 11th is when these body parts washed up in McKay Bay. The same day that Stephanie, my cousin, was reported missing after her mother received a text stating there was a problem. And she needed help. A little recap, right? So let's go back now to Wednesday, November 17th. 
police spoke with the last person to see Stephanie, which was a man named Robert Kessler. And he was caught in a lie. Duh. Apparently, he tried saying that she was staying with him for a little bit, but that she ultimately had left. But police knew he was lying. I mean, they had found her blood in her car. Um, the one that they had located with the uh, eerie plates that we talked about. And they actually ended up getting a search warrant for Kessler's house in which they found more of Stephanie's blood along with a a pair of shoes um, that had blood all over them. So Kessler was then formally charged with second-degree murder along with abuse of a dead human body. And let's pause real quick. Let's now also give some backstory to Stephanie. So, as well to build up how these two people met, right? Because remember, Pennsylvania, Florida. So, Stephanie, from what I've heard, she was a person who kind of would ruffle a lot of feathers. That does not mean that what happened to her in any way is acceptable, okay? Um, There are fucking crazy people out there, psychopaths, serial killers, you know, (laughs) no matter what type of person she was or how she maybe treated other people, that does not mean that this story of what happened to her is okay right um but she did have a big mouth you know she tended to talk a lot of shit to people uh get mixed up in trouble I mean you could say she really didn't have um very many fans as a human being but apparently before all this happened let's time warp a little bit uh like I said she was kind of a bad apple uh I actually did check her out record wise uh, she had 21 charges associated to her name. These charges actually, um, no, these charges did include uh, retail theft, theft by unlawful taking, forgery, fraud of OBT food stamps, harassment, disorderly conduct, lewd threatening, repeated harassment, and theft charges. And then there's also one that just notes, like, unspecified on the report that I pulled, at least. Not really sure exactly what unspecified means, but um, obviously she was constantly in and out of jail. So what brought Stephanie to Florida exactly? I'm not really sure if anyone knows what her exact intent was for relocating to Florida, but from what I've heard, uh, she was on the run from the police up in Erie. Maybe that's why there is a charge reflected under her name search as unspecified. Because again, no one knows exactly why, or at least no one has told me why it is she ran to Florida verbatim specific, right? Um, I do know, though, that before she ran down here, she was staying at one of our family members' houses, 
apparently had actually gotten kicked out because they discovered that she was hiding someone in the basement. All right, no, this person was not dead. <laughs> um, that's not where this story turns to. But in general, she was hiding someone in the basement. Uh, she had burned bridges in many places. Again, does not mean that what happened to her is acceptable. No one should be due such an horrific event. So, she leaves PA and she drives down to Florida with her youngest son. Not much is known as to exactly what happened during the time that they were in Florida together, but... At some point, the son returned back to Pennsylvania, and in turn, he's actually now currently incarcerated. His name is Zachary Overholtz. Uh, he's incarcerated at the Albion State Prison in Erie, PA. I'm not exactly positive on what the charges for his current sentence but I can tell you <laughs> that back in 2018, he took place in a high-speed car chase with Erie PD, which resulted in a violent three-car crash, and he actually got put on a $50,000 bond. Part of me wonders, um, did he end up bonding out and maybe he defaulted on it? Maybe by, like, the trip down to Florida. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> Want to know something ironically crazy, though? My little cousin, one that I actually do talk to, he's a corrections officer for Albion State Prison. <laughs> um, Oddly universal connection does not mean any type of conspiracy theory is going on, Okay. These two don't even know each other. My cousin actually happened to be assigned to check a cell, and as he was searching the inmate's items, he, like, stumbled upon some type of document or mail, and it had Zach's name on it. So the last name, Overholtz, asked, you know, he saw that, and he asked if his mom was Stephanie, if her name was Stephanie. In which he answered yes. And my cousin immediately left the cell and reported it. So there is no shady game in here for people who do bad things. But I just thought that was like a very ironic fucking tidbit of like how fucking crazy, right? Oh, I also really wanted to tell you guys there is a funny thing um, that I would heard. <laughs> when I was asking questions, was that, uh, you know, how Stephanie ruffled feathers, I guess, actually created a meme up north that said, uh, with her picture, I don't always harass people, but when I do, I go to jail. I mean, that's kind of ironic, right? I don't know. Anyways, now, I did really try to look this meme up, but I, <laughs> I could not find it. So unsuccessful. But anyways, 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 let's get back to the real story. So, how did police get uh, led to the suspect, Robert Kessler? Well, apparently, 
There were two witnesses that claimed while they were fishing, they heard loud splashes and they had actually turned to look at the sound and they saw an older white man with white hair holding a black garbage bag over the side of the brig. Supposedly, Robert saw them and just dropped the bag into the water. But there was also a third witness, not a part of these two people. He claimed to see uh, the same gentleman description in that location doing the same action. Um, he said when he saw Robert dump the trash into the water from the bridge, he tried to paddle over to the trash to examine further what exactly was like in these bins. But he said there was such a foul odor that he couldn't even get close. Police actually ended up discovering a blue bin matching this witness's description while searching the water. So again, it starts with a discovery on November 11th of a human leg floating in the water. And this was the severed leg that held the distinct tattoo, which ultimately led to the identification initially of my cousin, Stephanie Overholtz. On November 12th, reports of another body part floating led to the find of the other severed leg. Now, police are waiting for dive teams at this point. Um, after this, uh, but during that whole wait period for the dive team, um, a torso was found floating nearby, like a lower torso. Hours later, even, there were actually internal organs recovered. Several more days went by and eventually led police with a cadaver dog to an area where they were able to locate a woman's upper torso and an arm. I might have forgotten to mention earlier that the third witness also gave a description of a dark Dodge minivan at the drop scene. This is going to be a clue. So, ultimately, police go to Stephanie's last known residence, which was listed as Robert Kessler's house in Lutz, Florida. It's about 18 miles from McKay Bay. When police show up to his house, guess what kind of vehicle is in the driveway? Hmm. A dark blue Dodge minivan. Huh. Dun, 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 dun. Police interview Kessler regarding Overholtz in which he admits to them that she had been living at his house for several weeks after they met in a McDonald's parking lot. That's right. A McDonald's fucking parking lot. Apparently, they get to chatting it up and she's telling him how she needs a place to stay because she had been living in her car. And he invites her to his house. Even worse of a creep, he invites her to his house to stay in his daughter's room. <coughs> like, I mean, how fucked. But I guess 
I mean, what would you expect from someone with that type of psychopathic tendency? Can we also just acknowledge the fact that taking up living arrangements from a creepy old man in a drive through parking lot is probably not a very bright idea, people. I mean, come on, dude. This introduction of meaning just screams sketch all over it. Red flag all the way up, but whatever. No need to dwell on that poor choice and decision, I guess. You know, do what you got to do. So, of course, uh, though Kessler claimed he had no idea regarding Stephanie's whereabouts or the last time that he saw her, um, he also couldn't even remember where he had been himself the last week. Like, not even an attempt to a solid alibi. <laughs> I mean, it's probably pretty clear this guy allowed himself to get caught, essentially. If you are going to speak to police freely, pretty sure the answer to your whereabouts for the last week shouldn't be, I don't know. <laughs> I'm, I mean, for real. He's a fucking dumbass. However, the one thing that he did say, that he had last seen her on Thursday, November 4th, because when he came home that Friday, she was gone. Yet all of her belongings were left, and he said he just threw them in the trash. Yeah. No one take police interrogation pointers from this guy, folks. And I'm not saying that <laughs> comment to help anybody out who's trying to do bad things. I'm just saying, don't obviously do not take pointers from him. Now, let's also add another key piece of information. Do you remember when I said she was invited to stay in his daughter's room? Well, <laughs> His eight-year-old daughter lived with him. Yep, eight. Let that sink in for a moment. Of course, police questioned the little girl. And do you know what her recant of the story was? The daughter said her and Kessler were at her gymnastics class on November 5th. 5th. And Overholtz kept calling her father. When they both got home, her father and Stephanie had gotten into an argument in which resulted him asking her to leave. This little girl, though, specifically remembers hearing during the argument Stephanie asked her father for $200 and then she would leave. Kessler apparently then came and told the daughter to go to sleep and the daughter says she watched the two go outside. So, these two statements majorly contrast with each other. And who do you believe more? <laughs> My bet is on the daughter, but that's me. Apparently, the next morning, 
Kessler told his daughter that Overholtz was picked up by her boyfriend, and the daughter claimed she didn't even know that Stephanie had a boyfriend, and that the victim's car was still in the driveway. So, I guess Stephanie wasn't actually staying in the room, the same room with the little girl, because the little girl also made mention to police that the room Stephanie had been staying in smelled really bad. I'd like to also tell you that from what I've heard, Stephanie was a very, very clean and neat person. I mean, besides being unliked, like she was a clean freak. So I highly doubt that this foul smell reference is in result to a dirty living standard, right? This little girl watched her father throw some of Stephanie's items in the trash and summon the trunk of the car that was hers and then watched him leave with Stephanie's vehicle. Her vehicle was found, remember, near the drop site in a parking lot? Mm-hmm. So, of course, police locate footage from the business across the street. Wouldn't you know? This footage shows a man fitting Robert's description dropping the car off around 3 a.m. He got out of the vehicle to open the trunk, and then he also removed a white bag from the driver's side door before walking away. When police seized the vehicle to search with a cadaver dog, they were alerted for blood on both exterior sides of the car, as well as the driver's side floorboard and the trunk. Um, also want to add that they found suspected blood in Robert's minivan too. An obvious result, that's how a search warrant goes for Kessler's house, which crime scene investigators found numerous areas of visible blood throughout the entire house. Oh, the bedroom that Stephanie had been living in had new carpet. Imagine that! When they removed the new carpet, detectives revealed older layers of carpet underneath. You need to remember this later. There are also several spots in the room indicating the presence of large amounts of blood. I mean, honestly, they, like I said, found blood everywhere in that house. There was a DNA analysis that confirmed positive match to Stephanie's blood. Kessler was arrested on November 24th, 2021, and on December 9th, he was indicted of first-degree murder. Now, some insider information I know, or at least heard, is that there was apparently... Um, and I'm kind of thinking it's probably from the bins that were found because they don't know on search records, you know, every single body piece found. But obviously, like, they found most of them. I think they probably found all They probably were able to piece most of her together, right? So apparently they were able to identify stab wounds on her neck and defensive wounds on her hand. Uh, so for interpretation's sake, let's think. Maybe Stephanie had information to be used against Robert Kessler, and that's what stemmed this argument. 
I mean, do you think she maybe knew or witnessed him do something similar, some unholy act, and was trying to use it against him? I mean, in rational thinking, I don't think trying to bargain with a man who you have potentially seen do murderous acts is a smart choice, but hey, I'm also not trying to move into someone's house I met at a McDonald's parking lot. Um, let's also not forget, there was note of numerous locations throughout Robert's house that tested for blood presence, um, but her blood was only marked as a positive match on the mattress in her room and a cabinet in the kitchen. So, exactly whose else's blood is spread through that house? And what a sick fuck to be doing whatever mind-twisting things that you are with your fucking eight-year-old daughter living there. I wonder if his psychopathic tendencies have stemmed from maybe the departure of the little girl's mother in both of their lives. I mean, I only say that because there is actually no record to indicate who the mother is. Um, there's only note that family members were trying to gain custody of this little girl after her father was arrested. Where is the mother? What about all the other blood? Who does that belong to? Do you think maybe he even killed the mother? Oh, there's so many unanswered questions that I know we will probably never know the answers to, right? Because, I mean, he's already convicted. Um, I, I don't really know if there is some type of, like, cold case investigation in Lua, but, like, for real, all that blood? all that blood identified as blood but just only some of it like not even some it's like to me I'm envisioning it's like 10% matched Stephanie's who knows how many people did this guy kill but she obviously was not the first right so um as I had mentioned earlier also her tattoo noted three names those were the names of her sons. And look, I know I told you about her youngest son that she had traveled down here. Bad Apple a little bit, kind of like her. But the other two sons, you know, they're both in the military from what I know. Um, so they're good kids. And, you know, I will say, I'm just going to say this. Her oldest son, uh, Sean, did actually give a phone interview to WFLA News. He admits that she may not have made the best decisions in life, but loved her children very much. And I don't want to elaborate too much on this conversation because I would honestly rather you just go and look it up. Uh, Overholtz, Sean Overholtz speaks with WFLA now. Or, you know, also, like, just go, like, read some, like, actually do Google it. Because you need to also see, like, what this guy Robert Kessler looks like. Like, he's just fucking this old fucking crazy man. Wow. Right? Um, <laughs> you know, again, I 
it's a fucked up story, dude. So, like, I will tell you, when I heard this story, I was actually at Rockville with my husband, and I get a text from a family member that says, like, do you, did you hear what happened to your cousin? And, of course, I'm like, I don't know. What are you talking about? And then I just get, like, a link. And, you know, it's ultimately just, like, body parts found in McKay Bay. Um, I was a little, like, mind blown, dude. So my cousin was murdered. But not only was she murdered, she was dismembered. She was dis-fucking-membered cut up into little pieces and then thrown away into the ocean the bay right like probably hoping that some fucking sea creature is gonna go out there and just eat his evidence up because he's not a smart man remember um i just i don't to me i think you can just see know that this guy has some fucked up mental issues because to like my perspective is like killing somebody is one thing right and i mean obviously i guess you know smart people are gonna try i don't want to say smart right i don't want to like give anybody a benefit of the doubt who's a fucking murderer but like common sense if you murder someone you're gonna try and get rid of them but I mean, I just think like the mentality that is to be able to spend hours chopping somebody up and then bagging them up and then tossing them over a bridge like fucking psychopath. And I think it validates even more why I'm so obsessed with true crime why is because there are fucking crazy people all over the place in this world so don't ever let your guard down in a sense like obviously don't live your life being scared i don't think anybody should do that you should still live your life but don't for one second let your guard down because motherfuckers are crazy they'll fucking chop you up and they'll fucking throw you into the ocean dude or even worse i mean i used to joke with my husband like i i will be 100 with you guys i told my husband before we ever got married i did not believe in divorce and that there were only two ways to leave me and that was naturally or unnaturally you figure that out. <laughs> I mean, it's a joke. Like, I'm. it's a joke, but it's not. Because I really don't believe in divorce. I think, you know, work your fucking problems out if you made that commitment with somebody. But I'm not going to go and murder my fucking husband. I'm really not. I promise you that. I love him. He is the sun and the moon to me. But it was just a joke, you know? Like, I mean, we've even had joking conversations. Like, so if you did kill me, like, how would you give her my body? And, and you know, maybe that's just my sick and twisted mind because it intrigues the fuck out of me thinking about, like, what runs through people's minds for them to actually 
impulsively make this choice, make this, take this action, it's, it's just fucking nuts. It's fucking nuts. Well, that was my story, guys, about my cousin. <laughs> personally known and i have another really great idea story for my next one um trying to kind of give you guys some like close to home ones uh i really love feedback if you did love this true crime episode please let me know and if you didn't then okay fuck you don't listen to it (laughs) anyways 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 i really love you guys thank you for listening to my episode tonight um i again i really hope you enjoyed it and i promise you i have more coming but like i said the true crime ones i try to make a little bit more effort because it's not rambling uh i tried the rambling recording and it does not work with true crime so um just be patient it'll be a surprise a dabble a treat when you least expect it and it'll probably be when you exactly want or need to hear it so don't take candy from strangers, people. Don't go taking up living arrangements from old men in parking lots. And yeah, that's probably it. You guys have a great night. I am your favorite, the rambling unicorn. I hope that you guys are looking forward to the next one because I have so much more coming on. It's going to be amazing. Thank you guys so much. I love you. Have a beautiful, glorious, magical night.